Hey guys, and welcome back to Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, brought to you as always by the wonderful people over at VolleyballMag.com. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming with the podcast. Now that Tri is back from Hawaii, I'm back from Maryland, and we have our guest this week is Dane Selznick. Uh, If you've been around the game for a while, you've seen Dane in a wide variety of roles, either as a player, he's won 15 open tournaments, or a coach, he's coached upwards of 200 different players and a number of Olympians, uh, including Kevin Wong uh, in the 2000 Olympics, which he mentions in a bit in the episode. And now he is serving as the competition director or just the tournament director for P1440, so with San Jose coming up. Uh, here on Thursday, the qualifier starts Thursday, and then main draw will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, we figured it would be a good time to have him on. So before we get to the actual episode itself, I do want to announce the winner of a giveaway that we've had running for a long time. So if you remember on our episode with Eric Zahn, he asked you to pick a new nickname for him on tour this year. And we uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful response to that. A lot of funny, funny nicknames uh, pitched in, loved reading them. Uh, but we're actually going to go with one who commented on one of Zahn's posts later. I like the nickname way too much not to give it to her. So Brittany Howard called Zahn Scammy Fahrenheit, which I started laughing out loud. And anytime I laugh out loud in an Instagram post, then you are the automatic winner. So if you know Zon, you if you have any conversation with him within five minutes tops, he will use the word scam in conversation. And he's been trying to go by Danny Fahrenheit lately. And Brittany Howard just went ahead and combined the two to scammy Fahrenheit. So Brittany, you are the winner of our Firefly giveaway. So we'll get you some Firefly gear uh, here coming up. Uh, so for the rest of you guys, enjoy this episode with Dane Selznick. For those of you who will be out in San Jose, I will see you out there. And enjoy the rest of the week. Welcome to the show. Again, we appreciate uh, you hopping on with us. Um, So you are the director of competition for P1440 now, uh, which is just the latest of many roles you've played in beach volleyball. So I guess just just like walk us through like what exactly the, the director of competition is and doesn't and how you ended up just get involved with port with P1440. Well, I'm a tournament director, you know, and plain and simple. And uh, something I've been doing lately with uh, the CBVA, not as lately, I've been with the CBVA for a number of years. And uh, with P1440, about a year ago, uh, Kerry approached me and said, Dane, I have a new project I'd love to have you be a part of. And I just wanted to get some more information on it. She gave me a little bit of background. I brought it to the... Uh, the head staff at CBVA and got their opinion to see if it would be a good fit. And there we are, you know, we decided to, uh, we had meetings back in last November and everything's moved, moved along pretty quickly, you know, as far as us, uh, solidifying the partnership, they're our title sponsor. But what Carrie did approach me on first was the CBVA, uh, uh, P1440 relationship with an idea that P1440 was going to start a, a branded uh, training uh, school with the players and start bringing athletes into a, um, a program that would uh, prepare them for tournaments and help support them financially. 
which is something that you know most uh, entities don't do. So I wasn't interested in doing that because a lot of it happens down in uh, the Orange County area, and it's just too much driving for me with all the other things that I do. So I, I declined on that, and I said, you know what? Why don't I be the tournament director? And that's where I am today. All right. You said uh, among the, the many other things that, that you're still doing right now, what else is keeping you busy? Because I feel like with San Jose coming up, you probably got your hands pretty full. Well, you know, I, I have my own indoor girls club that I've had for uh, decades. I uh, do a lot of privates. I have my Santa, uh, Santa Monica Beach Volleyball Club. And uh, I coach a high school beach team. I'm still involved with CBVA. I have a few more tournaments left. I do a lot of juniors tournaments, and I'll be entering more into the adult area. I mean, the, the Gene Selznick tournament is is one of my two adult tournaments that I do. So, you know, my, my hands are pretty full. Plus, I'm raising a, a son who's a, a senior in high school. And I'm, I, I can only assume that given your uh, genealogy that, that your son is a volleyball player as well. You know, he plays, and he's been fairly successful in the junior area, but he's kind of branched out into other uh, interests now. He's a surfer and photographer, and he's kind of focused on that, that area right now. He loves being in the water all the time. Uh, fortunately for him, he set up a schedule, so he's got Virtual Academy, which is four classes online and one at school, and one at school is his photography. Nice. So, so he's, he's surfing every morning, comes out, three hours on the computer to do his classes and back in the water. And he's also got a job. He's working at a restaurant. So that's my kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he's, he said to me the other day, you know, I really love my life right now. I've really got it made. (laughs) That's that's great to hear from. I feel like you don't, you don't hear that too often from seniors in high school. They're always stressed out about like college apps and jobs and obviously girls and sports. And it's, uh, Four online classes, surfing and being in the water all day, that's not a bad way to be. <laughs> well, I think he's got it pretty good, you know, so I'm happy for him. He's, he, you know, he, he plays once in a while with us. We have a, an, an old uh, school group that plays four-man with a bunch of legends down there every weekend. We've been doing it for 45 years, and he'll join us. Uh, Sinjin's son joins us, and, uh, you know, we have fun. You know, they get to be the, the main hitters, and... And uh, they get a lot of attention out there. So, <laughs> so you mentioned the the Gene Selznick Invitational um, that that you started last year, and this year it took on a different capacity. It was a satellite qualifier, which so I played in the satellite qualifier with Hagen, and just talking with all the guys and girls who played in that one, as well as all the the a lot of the players who played in the Florida satellite qualifiers that. Everyone seems to love the concept of satellite qualifiers, especially the ones who made it through because they qualified and now they don't have to be all tied up and stressed out on Thursday and they don't have an extra like three or four matches on their legs heading into main draw. So what I guess when did you go about deciding that the um, the Gene Selznick tournament would be a satellite qualifier and what was your view on how it went, the player feedback, that sort of thing? Well, with P1440, they looked at our schedule extensively, and we have a lot of uh, you know, men's opens, women's opens, and they were trying to uh, select those certain events that they felt 
fit the uh, the mold to being a qualifying point getter for their uh, for the players. So there's specific uh, tournaments that we have that actually award you P1440 points. You know, and, and a lot of that is alongside of what the CBVA points give you. For example, um, a CBVA sanctioned event, if you take a first, you would uh, earn uh, either 100 or 50 points, depending on the level of the tournament. So all the way down to ninth place can give you five points. So the Gene Selznick event, which at first was going to be a two-day event, a gender each day, uh, I decided to make it a one-day event, and because I could run all the the uh, both genders on the same day, and do it a similar format that the AVP does and FIVB does, and that's single elimination. And and most players, as you know, are not used to single elimination on the CBBA. It's usually double elimination. Right. That's something I would really consider for next year. I would I would like to do double elimination. I just like a, a longer running tournament because that's something that we've been used to for, for years. Uh, plus the players get more, you know, bang for their buck. You know, it's expensive entering these tournaments. Um, I still consider it the Gene Selznick Memorial Tournament and offering two spots for each gender to qualify into the San Jose event was uh, a nice bonus for the players, you know, because I really think that this uh, this first event is going to really be an exciting event. So um, the qualifying tournaments and satellites, uh, getting back to your original question, uh, you know, are, are enticing for the players because it really gives them something more than just playing in a tournament. Now they get to get into the main draw of these other tournaments that offer high-level competition, a lot more prize money. You're guaranteed more prize money uh, even even just getting into the tournament, you know, than other uh, normal tournaments like an AVP event. So I think uh, being an alternative tour to uh, what's going on and what we're, we've been used to for years, as long as it's not conflicting, I see no problem with it because it really gives players a lot more opportunity to make more money. And I, and I think they probably look at the satellite events the same way. You know, here we go. We get to play in more tournaments. Season isn't over. Now we're going into San Jose. After that is an Olympic qualifying event in Las Vegas. And then we have San Diego and Huntington Beach. Uh, obviously, the, the four-star is going to be a totally different uh, entry situation for a lot of the players because you're only allowed so many American teams. But besides that, more money opportunity makes it greater for the players instead of just playing in a standard, you know, uh, open tournament. Yeah. It seems like uh, a pretty exciting time right now for the sport in general, just because like you said, more opportunity from the players from these satellite events. We also have, you know, the event we just finished yesterday, the King of the court, which is basically a satellite exhibition tour, which is just literally creating more opportunity for people to play and to watch the game. Um, but it's cool. I think I think the sport's kind of gaining momentum right now. And there's a lot of people like yourself and, uh, you know, P1440, AVP, King of the Court, FIVB, uh, CBVA, uh, that are all kind of creating opportunities in their own way. So I, I think it's it's great. Uh, 
but you know that kind of tends to happen at the end of each uh, Olympic quad. So we're going into that second half of this Olympic quad, and uh, it seems like the sport's gaining some momentum. Was there talk by chance of uh, the king of the court format being considered as a uh, exhibition sport for the Olympic Games? Uh, I've heard it thrown around, but as like a more of a rumor or idea. I don't, I mean, definitely not for 2020, but uh, I've heard that thrown out there before, which would be pretty cool because then we'd have more chances at medals or, or more chances to have for people to go to the Olympics, I guess. Um, I like that concept a little bit better than the snow volleyball. Oh, oh God, a lot better. That snow like volleyball that a lot is better. tragic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're throwing it out there, though. Like, in the, in the same way that they were throwing out snow volleyball for the Winter Olympics, they're um, throwing around the idea of um, king of the court. But they need to figure out their format more. Uh, right now, it's it's too easy to, like, for me to, for example, help my fellow countrymen and just serve balls out at a at a certain time to help my country win versus another one and that sort of thing. I heard that may have happened in Huntington. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, and why? That's that's a long story. They're they're trying to tweak the rules uh, each and every tournament until they figure out a format that works, which which I get. They're just kind of in a testing phase. It seems like a fun testing phase too. Like it, like everyone. I haven't heard any of the players say anything but, like, rave reviews from this. I mean, possibly because the – I feel like the after events are probably just as much fun, if not more fun, than the king of the court itself. Oh, man, yeah. They, they're definitely uh, taking care of you and making sure you're having a good time, that's for sure. And it's really fun to play and to watch, actually, as well. So there's some serious potential there, but right now it's still uh, definitely in the early stages. Yeah, I, I didn't witness it, but I um... – I could just imagine just watching how fast it kind of moved along. John Rodriguez, uh, who was over there with you in Hawaii, yep. gave me a lot of feedback on it and said, you know, just the, the pace of it, even for the referees, is something that they just weren't used to. Right. You know? Totally. You've got to stay on it, you know, and you have to be sharp, you know, and watch what's going on. But I can see oh, how, how they, you can kind of um, uh, maneuver around. And, and have control over who really is going to be able to score points. See that's Yeah, because once you have a certain amount, you know that you're into the next round. So you can choose to rest uh, or you can choose to serve the ball out at certain times or you can choose to delay because it's on a clock. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of part of the strategy that they like as well, that you can, you can strategize. Um, but you don't want teams like throwing, throwing – points just to eliminate someone else and help their friends out and and then it makes it kind of boring for the fans when you know that they're kind of just not trying um but i don't know it's a different was was that different that obvious though (laughs) yeah yeah oh well that's that's not we had a little situation in hawaii where me and trevor didn't get the best of it but um the they kind of fixed they changed the rules once we got to huntington so that couldn't happen again uh-huh. How'd they change the rule? Um you serving if it, if you uh uh so basically they were announcing like hey this team the last place team in your pool just needs uh four points to 
to make it to the next round. And so everyone in that pool had already made it through. There was one team with zero points. So everyone in the pool kind of just gave up and basically gave that team four in a row so that they could make it to the next round. So everyone in their pool made it through. But then that screwed over the other team that had four points and, and had earned their four points because that team was out of the tournament, which was me. <laughs> uh-huh. well, sorry to hear that. No, it's all good. But um, then they changed the rule going into Huntington that, um, well, you couldn't miss serves anymore uh, within two minutes. You couldn't miss three serves in a row within two minutes. You can't miss any serves. Uh, with 30 seconds or else the team on the other side will get points. I don't know. They, they'll have to tweak the rules a little bit, but it's it's got some serious potential. Yeah, it does. Try yeah, it looks like for the players, too. Everybody had a smile on their face. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's really fun. And try I like what you said, too, about how it being just a really fun time in beach volleyball because you have – like we had the AVP regular season, but then we kept having all these extra events, and all those extra events sort of segued straight into four P1440 events. Yeah. And the FIVB schedule is starting up earlier and earlier. So, I mean, if you're one of the top dogs in professional beach volleyball, I mean, you, you have 20 to 25 legitimate money-making opportunities every year, like at least that. Like if you want to add some three-stars to it too. It looks like next year on the FIVB schedule, like we have a couple local three and four stars in LA and Dallas, and then we got Vegas coming up. So like, the I, I feel like beach volleyball is growing at a pretty rapid rate, even at the professional level. We talk about it a lot in college, but now there's so many more opportunities, and then we have like San Jose coming up this weekend. That's something we wouldn't have had last year, and then we have a four star in Vegas, which wouldn't have happened last year. So I don't know, like Dana, how do you see this as compared? Because you've seen beach volleyball from its earliest professional stages to now, how would you compare it just from like in that quote unquote golden era to what we're seeing coming up? Well, it's interesting that you asked that because, you know, I, it's, it's had its highs and its lows. I mean, we've had 28 domestic events at one time and right now we're kind of at our lowest point, you know, with seven or eight and, at one point in 95, you had 10 guys that made $100,000 on the AVP in one season. 10 guys. That's a lot of guys making uh, six figures. Yeah, traveling domestically, too. Traveling only domestically. That's what they made. Sounds great. Well, yeah. And, and then you <laughs> also had, you had your top four players that were earning almost a half a million in endorsements. Right. To go along with that. So, you know, it's it's starting to rebound, and I think that the uh, the inclusion of P fourteen forty and and their concept is a little different than what the AVP does, you know. And I, I just think it's it's great to have more opportunity. But that bottom line, as long as we're not stepping on each other's dates and right. we can spread it out and coordinate it that way, I think the one biggest issue has always been, you know, your maybe gunning for similar sponsorships, you know, right. that could be one of the main cases for not having a competitor, but I don't think the players would complain. 
We're going to pause the show there to take a quick second to give a shout out and a massive thank you to all of our sponsors. We love you guys for sponsoring the show and for our listeners. Uh, it's kind of crazy that the AVP season is coming to an end. Uh, sort of. And the fact that it's coming to an end means one thing that you probably need to re up on your volleyballs because if you play as much as I do or as much as a lot of these players do, your volleyballs are probably beat to hell. So go to Wilson Volleyball and get 20% off of all of your purchases using our disc- discount code Wilson Sand. Again, that's 20% off using our discount code Wilson Sand. This show is also brought to you, as always, by our guys at VolleyballMag.com. They are your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. They got indoor covered. They got beach covered, whether it's from Stad to Hermosa Beach. Ed Chan has the best pictures in the game. Lee Feinswag has the most insightful interviews. Every now and then, I contribute something that might be worthless, might be worthwhile reading. I'm not sure, but if you're looking for volleyball news, make sure to go to VolleyballMag.com, your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. We would also like to welcome Volley Camp Hermosa as a new sponsor of the show. If you're listening, you've probably heard of Volley Camp Hermosa. It is the place to go to get better at beach volleyball. Whether you are planning a trip to Hermosa Beach, California, the mecca of beach volleyball, or live locally, they have professional coaches to take your game to the next level. For those making the beach volleyball pilgrimage, they offer week-long adult training camps that are the complete beach volleyball experience. If you live locally or you can't join a camp, you can take their weekly classes and or private training. All levels are welcome, from A to AAA to open. Sign up online at www.volleycamphermosa.com. I'll say that one more time, www.volleycamphermosa.com. Or for more information, you can just give them a call. It is 234-PLAY-VCH. Or you can email them. Info at volleycamphermosa.com. We will see you guys on the sand. And, of course, we always love our sponsors at PacificCoastWealthManagement.com because if your financial plan goes beyond making it into the main draw of an AVP volleyball tournament, check out our online planning tool at PacificCoastWealthManagement.com. We all know that you beach volleyball players need to put that oodles of prize money somewhere. You might as well start it with Pacific Coast Wealth Management. So when you get to the site, click on their link, build your financial plan here, and work with a licensed fiduciary advisor who can discuss everything from 401ks, IRAs, life insurance, estate plans, tax strategy, social security, investments, or good old stock tips, also known as a lot of stuff that beach volleyball players genuinely don't know a whole lot about, which is why we need the help with our guys at Pacific Coast Wealth Management. Business owners who need to offer benefits, retirement, or pension plans for their employees, partners or themselves you can give them a call too or 529 college savings or Roth IRA for your kids did you know that you can give 15,000 a year to your kid I know when I was a kid I wouldn't have minded that start with your favorite volleyball player by connecting with us at Pacific Coast Wealth Management on Instagram or www.pacificcoastwealthmanagement.com or you can give them a call 949-637-7052 again that is 949-637-7052 A lot of the listeners of the show are professional athletes, and as we all know, you cannot have enough recovery, which is why the show is also brought to you by our good friends at FireflyRecovery.com. So what Firefly Recovery is, it is a wearable device that simulates blood flow throughout the damaged or sore or afflicted area, say a knee. 
And what you do, you just strap it on and it helps you recover much faster. So when you are on that 12-hour flight to Stad or a 36-hour trip to South Africa, you can put this on and you're not going to get that super sore, kind of swollen feeling that you get after you fly on planes. Actually, you can make your plane, you can make your trip productive by putting on Firefly Recovery, helping heal up that area, getting off, and you're going to be playing the best volleyball of your life. So give them a visit at fireflyrecovery.com. Let us know what you think and use the discount code SANDCAST in all caps for a 10% off. All right, that is SANDCAST, all caps, for 10% off at fireflyrecovery.com. And now, back to the show. You know, and so it's, I, I think, uh, you know, next year, there's already 1440 has three FIVB events. You have Florida in, in February, three-star, a three-star in Texas to be determined location. I don't know if Dallas was the, the location yet. I heard Dallas or Houston. It looked like the, the, the FIVB schedule had it as Dallas, but I, I think it, it had TBD too, so I think it's subject to change. Right, then L.A., and I think I know where that's going to be, that I really shouldn't say, but uh, <laughs> that's a four-star, you know? So, wow, we're getting another four-star here. And, you know, I mean, and those are all Olympic qualifying events. Yeah. So uh, you can't beat that. I mean, how, when's the last time we had four tournaments qualifying for the Olympics in the United States? I don't think we've ever had that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. I remember sitting on my butt here just a few months ago being like, wow, the tours are at a pretty low point and like probably said at some point, can you imagine if we had like 20 or 25 events to play in? And now a few months later, I'm sitting here thinking I'm jumping in on the last two or three events of the year and I end up having like potentially six or seven events I'm going to play in here. And uh, there's a... and. The, it's looking like there's going to be a lot more next year. So it certainly happened fast. I, I wouldn't say we're back to, to the golden days. I don't think anyone's pulling in a half a million endorsements quite yet, but uh, we're, we're moving in that direction. Well, I, don't, don't you think we're actually making the sport more attractive now by having this, you know, this many uh, Absolutely. Uh, on the 12 month calendar, you know, where sponsors say, Hey, this looks like we want to be in this sport again, you know? And the, and the sport's not completely relying on one entity either. You know, if, if the domestic tour had fallen off all at once, which I'm pretty sure it did right back in the day, then the whole sport goes. But if right now, I mean, that's, there's so many, there's four different entities kind of providing opportunities to play. And uh, like you said, if they can find a way to, play fair and play together and hopefully um, it's not a conflict with sponsors, man, it, it could be a, a really good foundation for something to grow here. Well, every entity should take care of their, their athletes. That's number one. Right. Okay. You know, it's just like the Olympic games. The athletes are number one. That's one yeah. thing that, that too, I, I think P1440 has done a really good job of just because I've been in the coaching system and like the coaching there is, is awesome. I mean, we have like four Brazilian coaches for four people. It's, it's great. Well, and you know, coaching is going to be allowed in San Jose. So, so they'll be, for, they'll be on the sidelines. For, and our, that's, for our listeners, for our listeners who don't 
know exactly what coaches are and, and are not allowed to do. Do you think you could just give a, a quick briefer on what a coach is typically limited to do and then what P1440 is allowing in San Jose? Well, it's, it, you know, the, the FIVB tried to allow coaches at one time, and it, it kind of uh, fell through because you had some coaches get a little crazy on the sidelines and, and start arguing with the ref. So that experiment ended. And, and the whole deal about being a coach, and just to get, give you guys a little bit of background, because uh, I was the only coach in the first year of the AVP that traveled on the AVP. There was no other coaches. And I traveled with a women's team. And so basically there was no rule book yet at that time. But the important thing is, is that as a coach, you're not basically heard from on the sidelines. You don't want to be a part of the game. You, you're not a distraction to anybody who's in control of the game, like the referees. And your time to coach is only during timeouts before the game and when the players come off the court and they're in their box, that's the only time that a coach can really give their information. The coaches, when the players switch sides, the coaches switch sides along with them and they sit in the box on the same side as their players. So the coaching part of the game, it's amazing. It's almost like every team has a coach now. It's just such a huge part of the, of the sport. And even on the FIVB, you've got cameras behind the courts. You've got uh, uh, coaches up in the stands. There's still, I'm sure there's cheating going on with, with coaches. Everybody tries to find a way to communicate. Look at, look at Serena Williams in the U.S. Open. You know? <laughs> Everybody finds a way. You know, but uh, that's the rules. Even with the uh, the CBVA, even at our juniors level, there is no coaching during a game except during a timeout. You can't coach them while they're on the court. We get parents out there trying to be coaches and give information. And, you know, we have to remind them, let your kids figure it out. That And that was the whole thing about the sport in the early days. You as an athlete, it was just you and your partner you had to work things out together. You know, now you have another set of eyes seeing things from the sidelines that you may not see while you're on the court. And it's a benefit. Teams that don't have a coach, they kind of lose out. Actually, at the Manhattan Open, I remember in the final, uh, was which t women's team was it? That uh, It was um, Hoshevar and her partner. And Kelly Clays. And... At Kelly Clay's, they didn't have a coach. And they were in the finals. So having a coach doesn't mean you're going to make it to the final. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that was the, the testament right there. They, they got there. I mean, obviously, there's a few things they might have been able to adjust with, uh, with a coach's opinion. But they did very well without a coach. Yeah, I'd say so. And since we're kind of on, on the topic of... San Jose, and you said you guys can tweak the, the rules to allow coaches to play. So I guess, can you just give us a rundown of the format, um, maybe a, a couple teams that are playing, um, and just sort of how the weekend is going to break down? Well, the uh, right now we have 17 men's matches and 21 women's matches in the qualifier. It's single elimination. We're going to start at 9 a.m. 
Uh, we'll probably finish by uh, late afternoon, uh, five or six at the latest. And six teams come out of the qualifier to, to enter the main draw of 24 teams. The 24 team bracket is similar to the uh, Olympic and uh, AVP system now. Format is it's double elimination. And some of the teams that we do have that are entered are uh, from the international level. We have the number one Norwegian team. We have the number one Spaniards, uh, Gavira and Herrera. Is it Mole and uh, Thorum? What is it? Thorum and Mole. Thorum and Mole, yes, from Norway. And then we also have some Brazilian teams. And the, the unique thing about the format of San Jose is uh, you don't have to be country uh, against country. So we have some some uh, countries mixed up together. Uh, U.S. player Casey Jennings is playing with uh, Pedro uh, Salgado. Uh, oh, no, it's Solberg, isn't it? Uh, it's both, it's, but yeah, he so, goes by Solberg. <laughs> yeah, Solberg, Salgado. Yeah, so there you, there you have a uh, U.S.-Brazilian team, which will be fun to watch. Uh, I know there was going to be an Italian player playing with another uh, Canadian, but that I don't. I think the uh, something happened with that combination. And we have a number of Canadian teams playing in both men and women. Uh, Carolina and uh, Maria Antonelli, they're both uh, playing from Brazil. We have uh, two uh, the top two Canadian teams, Pavin, and I think Bansley. She's playing. Uh, I'm probably happy some of these days. I'm not on the FIVB anymore. I gotta get used to these. <laughs> yeah, so Pavin and Bansley are on different teams now, but I think right. they're both playing. Uh, both their teams are playing. Wilkerson, Wilkerson and Bansley, and Pavin and Humana Paredes. Paredes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. How did and they then, end up getting oh, the? That's who's loaded, and you also have the one and only Travis Money Mawerder. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the qualifiers, baby. I missed him. I, I, I haven't seen a qualifier in almost a month. I didn't know what to do with my Thursdays, so I figured I might as well jump back in. Yeah, and, and I'm headed to China, unfortunately. I'm happy to make my World Tour debut around the same time, so uh, I'm not going to be there, but it'll be fun to uh, to see how it goes. What uh, level is that? Uh, I'm going to a three-star, so I lost a lot of points uh, sitting out for two years, so I'm Going to the three-star in China to try to stack my points up uh, as this Olympic qualification uh, begins. Well, that's perfect timing, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, well, are you back for uh, Vegas? I am back for Vegas, yep. Oh, good for you. Are I'll you be in China in November myself. I've always wanted to play in Vegas. Well, is that right? King oh, yeah. of the beach. <laughs> yeah, we see, when we were kids, we saw all the videos of uh, tournaments in Vegas, and it just sounded so fun. So we finally get our opportunity here. Well, that's a great atmosphere out there, you know. I mean, playing under the lights, you know, it's it's close to 100 right now. Let's hope that it cools off a little bit. Yeah, really. And it's only in a few weeks, too. Yep. So, so yeah, the the, uh, the lineup is pretty good, Travis. We have a lot of uh, top players playing in this tournament. 
So I'm excited about it. Yeah, I was I was putting together the player bios today. I didn't realize that uh, Carolina and Maria Antonelli ended the year ranked number one in the world. Yeah. They jumped up there. So we have and Anders Moll and Christian Sorum are, I don't know if by ranking they're number one in the world, but, I mean, everyone would consider them, I would think. I don't know, Try you would have a better beat on that than I would. But I think that it goes without saying that Anders Moll and Christian Sorum right now are the best team in the world. Yeah, I mean, after you're seeing the players' awards, um, you'll, uh, <laughs> you'll understand they, why. They won everything. <laughs> pretty much cleaned out. Wait, last three? I, yeah, I think they uh, won Vienna, Stad, and Hamburg, right? Yeah, World Tour Final, which was yeah. 150 Gs for the 20-year-olds <laughs> that live at home, probably. <laughs> It's funny. Anders made like ten thousand dollars last year and a hundred and forty-two thousand this year. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Just a slight increase. A little bit. Those are like the Cuervo days. Yeah, that's big money right there. And then now, and now he gets P fourteen forty two, so you can just keep stacking on top of it. <laughs> Those guys are all smiles too. Every time I see the posts. Yeah, they're good. They're good kids. I just talked to them last night, and they're actually headed up uh, to the Bay Area today. So they're going to be in town, uh, waiting around for that tourney. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, we're going to miss you. Yeah, I know. I'll have to hear uh, how it goes, and then. Uh, Who are you playing with, Trevor? Yeah, Trevor. Okay. Still going Hawaiian style. All right, love it. Are y'all in the qualifier for that try? Or are you are you boys straight in? No, we're main draw, thank God. Hey, there you go. No one wants to go to China for a qualifier. <laughs> no, that's a bit stressful. <laughs> what city is it? Uh, it's in Kinzhou, which is near Hong Kong. Okay. Well, you should yeah, check I, I usually don't know where I'm going when I go to China. China is a different, different uh, way of thinking over there. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. They actually just fired their most recent coach for their national team. Oh, really? He never. He didn't make it a year. Uh, was he uh, Chinese? No, or, he was Brazilian. Uh, was it a? Uh, oh yeah, Brazilian. Palau. Palau. Yeah. I feel like uh, I don't know that his personality. I don't know if that would mesh with the Chinese. Well, it was interesting. That they tried something different. Right. And uh, because outside of China, they've never had anybody except Chinese coach their national team. Ah, right. You know, so it's interesting that they made that that try to do that. I guess he's, uh, I don't know where he's gone, but um, I go back there in November myself. I do a, a coach's clinic there. Over oh, nice. Yeah, I go. I've been. Going over the, I've been training Chinese for you know the last 13, 14 years. Oh wow! Yeah, they come here. I just had a couple of them here too. They're they're very very hospitable. Right. You know, good athletes too. Now, are you? I know you're you're coaching some club, but are you uh, are you coaching any individual teams at the moment, Dane? I know last year you picked up with Mesco and Scalar del Sol for a little bit. Um, are you? actively coaching any beach teams or are you just on the club and, and helping with the CBVA and P1440? That's all I'm doing. I'm not working with any teams anymore. I'm, uh, I'm a little older now, Travis. 
And it takes, it takes a lot of energy. My days of coaching 2480p guys at one time is over. <laughs> That's I got I got one teams. I got one private out of you a few years ago back at Outrigger. Oh my god, that was I saw a, you on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could have given you a little better taste, but uh you know that's okay. It, it, it was, was fun while it lasted. It was, it was fun working with you for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I just got a sample. That was a little tidbit. <laughs> You have so what else, you guys? Honestly, you, you have such a heck of a resume with coaching, and as you mentioned, that most U.S. teams don't have coaches. Like even the top ones, like Kelly Clay's and Brittany Hochever, didn't have one. How much value do you think it adds to have a coach? Or I mean, we saw Kelly and Brittany in the finals. How much like is it? Do you think coaching is necessary to become a top team, either in the country or in the world? You know, I, I think that you take a young player like Kelly, for example, you know, who just came out of college. She's had some good guidance in her college days. Now she's uh, tested the waters overseas and she's playing on the AVP tour. She's got a great experienced partner with her who could help her on the court. You know, so... She she probably likes the idea of, of not worrying about somebody else telling her what to do, but working things out with her partner. So, you know, that that's also a, a test of maturity, too, you know, because a lot of players don't know any other way of competing except having a coach on the sidelines. And I think that it's actually a good challenge for them to try and do it without a coach and just see, you know, see how well they do. You know, coaches do help. It doesn't mean you're going to win the Olympics. You know, look what happened to some of our teams that were over there. They all had the same coaches they've had for the last couple years. But, you know, everything's about timing. You know, uh, your draw, who you're playing, how, what did that meal you ate the night before, is that working for you during competition day? You know, there's just so many things, I mean, that, that uh, you can be superstitious about that have control over your destiny. Um, I mean, it's just, I just, uh, I think that uh, reading body language, I've always been very good at seeing somebody's mental state and seeing where they are physically to know, you know, when to go after somebody or even your own team to, to recognize, you know, what they're not doing at a certain moment that actually helps them be successful and, you know, reminding them. And that's what coaching is. Coaching is like parenting. It's reminders. You know, we're all <laughs> totally we're reminding our kids, you know, what to do. Take out the trash. Hey, get outside, get, get, get the right position here. You're forgetting what, what the tendencies are on that other team right now. They love to do this. They love to do that. And you're not seeing it right now. Let me remind you about it. So. Yeah, I totally agree with that as well. And there's something that a lot of people don't really realize is in beach volleyball, there's a lot of levels to coaching as well. Like there's the stuff that coaches probably would rather not do. But when you're on the world tour and you can help your team, uh, you know, focus better or, or spend less energy trying to go, do a sign-in sheet or find balls or set up practice times and all that kind of small stuff that really adds up when you're traveling and you have a coach to take care of all that stuff. 
you can put your the coach is really just helping you put your focus all on the match and then you know during a match I mean the coach may have done all the preparation already and they don't really have to do anything anyway I mean obviously you're not allowed on the sideline in FIVB but um, yeah a lot of it's just little reminders it's not like they're teaching you new things uh, while you're on the world tour you're kind of just helping your athletes be the best versions of themselves and the best players that they can be give them less yeah well i i I, I like the idea of maybe putting a stamp on my head it says sherpa you know so i can (laughs) carry all the bags and the equipment sometimes we feel a little bad about that stuff but it does help (laughs) (laughs) like hey you don't have to do this for me but it would really help (laughs) (laughs) Get the waters. Make sure they. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the little things, you know. I, I right. think a lot of people don't realize that. Like Jose Loyola will run over and and he puts water on his team's feet when it's hot out, like on the sideline. And I'm just like, oh, that's such a small thing. It's not like he's not even coaching during this time. I just just uh, just cooling their feet down. The I remember his wife saying to me, "God, I wish he would do that for me." <laughs> I'm sure. Is there is there any coach today that that stands out to you as as someone who's doing a an especially excellent job? I know that it seemed like uh, Rich Lamborn uh, worked really well with Jake and Taylor uh, Jose. Obviously, Jen Cassie has helped Alex Kleiman come a long way. Um, those are the three off the top of my head that come to mind, but. In your view, is there anyone that, that stands out right now in the beach game? Because I feel like a lot of people don't even know who's coaching who in beach. Because like you said, like at one point you were coaching you know, 28 men's teams at once. Well, it's interesting, interesting that you say that because those are the three people that I would have you know, brought to mind. In fact, the first one, just listening to uh, how articulate Rich Lamborn is and, and the volleyball IQ – you know, you know, makes me tip my hat off to him because in my mind I'm thinking, you know what, that's the kind of guy that I'd like in my corner if I was, if I was a player. You know, he's very sharp. He's got uh, a lot of volleyball experience, you know, especially in the indoor ranks. But still, he has a, a great volleyball IQ. And uh, obviously Jose's been around the block forever. I remember his first tournament back in 92. I was playing in it. And, and he's seen so much volleyball in his career and, you know, to be able to pass it on. And the same with Kessie. You know, Kessie's one of the top players. She'll be in the Hall of Fame soon. Uh, so, so those three individuals as playing coaches, okay, they have the playing expertise as well as the information that they bring to the table being an experienced player and a coach now. Even Jason. I bet Jason has a lot of good things to say for for uh, Nick and, and Phil, you know. So, you know, he's a scrappy guy. And to go out there and take a fifth place in, in, in what terminal is he in? The Manhattan Open? Or Huntington? Uh, Manhattan. Him and <laughs> no, Hermosa. 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 Well, shoot, that's one of the deepest places in, on the earth, you know. So that's that's a a great accomplishment for him. He hasn't even been playing. But yeah, I remember talking to Phil about about Jason a little bit, and there he he was basically saying he's like, Jason was 
getting it done and, and became a, a main draw player on the world tour at his height. So he must know something that, uh, that I don't know. And if I can learn the skills that a guy like Jason had to learn to be able to compete at that level, then, you know, how much better is a Phil Dahlhauser and Nick Lucena going to be? Yeah. I mean, a healthy Nick, uh, makes that team much stronger as we know, but, uh, I think at the coaching, it's just it's just good to have somebody you trust. I think that's the most important thing, you know. So um, obviously, there's other guys in the coaching ranks that uh, have been around, have had some success, but those names I think are, you know, at the top of the field right now as far as success goes, and who who I would trust to be in my corner. Try. Are you and do you and Trevor have a coach? Um, we do not have a coach. I've kind of been playing it by ear this year. I, I feel like I've been coming on to, or I came on to Trevor's team. So, the first event we had Jeff Alzina, um, which I was happy to to be able to hear his knowledge from the sideline. And then we went to Chicago, and Trevor's dad was there, so we asked him to jump in on the sideline. And then we went to Hawaii, and we had Evan Silberstein, who's the assistant coach at the University of Hawaii. So I've just been uh, trying to suck up as much knowledge as I can for as many people as I can. But we do not have a, uh, a coach that's training us every practice and all that. You're not dragging anybody to China with you? <laughs> no, we're not. I'm hoping to maybe pick someone up out there. Let's, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Try, I got a question for you. So yeah. where, where do you see your game right now? You know, I mean, do you feel like you're 100%? I mean, are, are there certain weaknesses that you really need to work on? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see my game at 100% at all. But mostly it's because I haven't been able to really establish – we haven't really been able to establish a, a system. And there's – I mean, there's two people out there, right? So – we have to figure out what exactly we want to be running, what our strengths are as a team and all that. And we just haven't really gotten there yet. Um, but physically, for me, I've actually surprised myself. I saw, I saw a picture of myself the other day where my whole chin was over the net. And I remember, I actually haven't seen a picture of me getting up that high before. So I was like, oh, apparently my legs are back. Um, and my game's pretty good. It could be a little more crisp, but I think for the most part, uh, it's about getting to know my partner and uh, just making everything really crisp and then building uh, more strategies on top of that. So, I'm, I mean, I'm not there, but I also haven't been expecting my game to be um, at that, you know, Olympic level where I need it to be come the beginning of 2019. Um, I've, I've really just been coming back into it thinking I'm going to play this game that I love because I get to play it and uh, I really want to enjoy it this year and hopefully carry that into 2019. Do you guys communicate really well together on the court? Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. Like we, we don't even talk that much, but I feel like I've played with him for years already. Cause I mean, I have played against him so much and I just know his game. Uh, and I didn't, actually realized that 
he takes a similar set to Haydn because uh, he was never playing on the right. But he likes that kind of quick tempo set. So it's really he's really easy for me to set. He sides out all day on the right side. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we kind of have that brotherly communication in some, in some ways because we've played together for so long. Yeah, it's nice to have that chemistry. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely helped, and and it's it's certainly made it fun for me uh, coming back uh, with Trev. Well, it's nice when you can not have to really think about your the guy next to you. You just play the game. Yeah, exactly. It's cool to have someone that's just as competitive as well. You know, you know that your partner wants it just as bad as you do. That that's always nice. Well, you guys kind of grew up together too, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We've we've been buddies since we were we've probably known each other our entire life uh, and the, but the earliest I can remember hanging out is probably like when we were like probably nine eight or nine years old because our moms have been paddling together since we were before we were born and they still paddle together to this day oh really? uh, that's great yeah yeah so we've kind of known each other forever well it's amazing how many Hawaiians I've trained <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the outrigger kids. Well, one of the first teams I ever trained was uh, uh, Mike Lambert and Lee LeGrand. Ah. Back in the early 2000s, that was one of the first first two players that I trained from Hawaii. Huh. Well, besides coaching Kevin Wong in the 2000 Olympics, but, you know, after that, it was the other. <laughs> That's a little one right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, besides that. <laughs> Small resume point. <laughs> But you guys have an amazing, you know, uh, alumni coming out of Punahou, you know, and, and Outrigger. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that's not from Punahou. But, Where, uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to the Academy of the Pacific, and I graduated with 20 kids wow. up on the hillside, and the high school doesn't even exist anymore. Huh. I had a little different high school experience, but, but after school, I went down to Outrigger and met up with all the Punahou kids, so... It was uh, more or less the same. Oh, that sounds cool. I almost went to Kalani. Oh, nice. Yeah, I grew up in Aina Haina. I did not know that. Oh, you didn't? You, pro- you, mo- you probably told me that, actually, last time. Yeah, I went I to... You- I knew you had the Hawaii ties. <laughs> <laughs> had those Hawaii ties. To learn how to surf out of Publix. Oh, there you go. We oh, they, uh, So the king of the court that was just out in Hawaii, they... Uh, they took all the tour, the players out to Hans Hiedemann Surf School, and, and they took them right to Publix Reef. Did right they? On the, on the inside, and everyone got chewed up by the reef. Oh, my God. I don't know why they took them there. Why but did they take them was, there? Was, I don't know. It was pretty entertaining, though. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's tough. I, I still have scars on my knees from that reef. Oh, yeah. That'll do it. I got, I got a few uh, on my back for sure. Well, Travis, is there uh, anything else that you guys wanted to kind of go over? Do you have um, any ideas? Was there, was there anything else that you want to mention about San Jose coming up or just sort of the you know, P1440 moving forward, just anything we might have missed on your end? Well, you know, a lot of the stuff that uh, is happening at this location is, for one thing, it's a very large footprint, you know, with 
with all the booths and the stadium for and then, then the stage for the concert. So it's going to be a challenge, you know, making sure that we got everything on, on schedule and making sure that we're, we're, we're finished each night in time for the concert. Um, the location is outstanding. I've, I've looked at the map of this place and, and where we're, we're situated. The hotel is very close. In fact, uh, Danny Ruby and I are bringing a couple bikes up. We're probably going to ride our bikes to the venue from the hotel. Oh, nice. Yeah, get our little exercise in. Way better so, than an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, no, you're qualifying, so then you get the you get the shuttle. Hey, there we go. <laughs> who, who are you playing with again? Paul Ariza. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, so, yeah, it, it should be a fun event, and especially with everything it has to offer. Um... I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a challenge, you know, being a, being a part of that, and and especially P1440's first test event, leading into God. There's going to be another six events right after that. So, I mean, that, that's a a lot of commitment, you know, by this organization, and the person involved with with setting up the whole concert and and the venue is she's got a lot of experience. Her name is uh, Samin. And uh, she's done events in, in Vegas on a large scale. So, you know, we have a lot of good people involved with this, this uh, event coming up. And I just feel uh, fortunate, you know, to be a part of the organization doing this. I'm, I'm happy that Kerry brought me in. And we have a good relationship with uh, CBVA, too. So, you know, and I, I see this uh, lasting for a while and I'm looking forward to the next season also. Yeah, it, uh, if, if anything, these next couple months are going to be fascinating to watch as, as the landscape continues to change just with, you know, P1440, King of the Court. We got the FIVB schedule keeps getting longer and longer, and now we got FIVBs coming to the U.S. as a part of P1440. So there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces. It's, it's fun to be a part of right now. Hey, I have one more question for, for a try. What did you think about the uh... – the freeze and the side out scoring. Um, for the AVP, the freeze. Yeah. Um, well, it's hard to wrap your brain around as an athlete, uh, especially when you're you're usually the one that gets to <laughs> to match point first because you feel like you've already won the match three times. But um, you know, as I got to watch it over the last two years as more of a spectator. I kind of realized, you know, that I guess Donald's right in the sense that it's more entertaining and it, it, you know, you play, you, people watch sports obviously for entertainment and uh, it makes it more entertaining at, at the end of a match when, when something's close. So it makes for a lot more close matches. And uh, in that sense, it, it makes sense, but I don't know, there's no right or wrong. I, it, it, we easily could have done without it, but, uh, I don't think it's really hurting the sport either. I think uh, w one point I was just going to make was you, you mentioned when the matches are close. Right. But it's also been entertaining when somebody's way down and now right. they crawl back knowing that you have to score a real point. 
Right. That yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It makes it more entertaining. It makes it's really frustrating if you're the team that's up because you feel like you should have already won the match. But you get a lot of comebacks, and that's kind of what what people want to see in sports is is that comeback, um, and that and that close finish. That is entertaining. Right. So it makes sense. I mean, we're entertainers at the end of the day, right? Uh, absolutely. I, I, and I remember hearing about that record. Uh, you know, I think it was Phil's match. They had like 45 or 47 serves. Yeah, we were pretty close to that. Uh, I forget what I had in Chicago. Do you remember what it was, Travis? You guys had 35 and then oh, Phil right. had 37. But it's funny because Steve Irvin in two separate qualifiers – has had more serves on two occasions. So in Austin, he had like 56 serves. He came back from down 14-7 in the third against Adam Roberts and Spencer Souter. And then in Hermosa, him and Nate Yang were playing Brandon Joyner and it, I forget who his partner was, but they had another like 50 freeze serve. So if you need to, if you need to ask somebody about the freeze, Steve Irvin is your guy. He's had more freeze serves than anyone. Wow. Interesting. Well, I know his dad very well. So his his sister used to play for uh, uh, my father. Oh really? Yeah. The volleyball world's so small. I mean, it's like if you haven't played with somebody. You've played with their friend who was coached by someone else who assisted coach, and everyone is somehow connected to everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. Well, Dane, we appreciate you coming on, especially so late on a Monday night, and I know that you had some some club stuff to deal with, so appreciate you hanging on with us here. And try. thanks for making some time in between King of the Court and China and, and getting back healthy. Always. Oh, a total pleasure for me being on here with you guys and, and try good luck over there and have fun with Trevor. Uh, remember to drink bottled water. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate it. Travis, I'll see you on uh, Wednesday night. Yes, sir. I'll see you out there. Are you going to come up uh, early and maybe try to work out a little bit i'm getting uh i'm getting to practice in hermosa in the morning and then driving up wednesday afternoonish, and then might check out the site just to just depends on how traffic is and how long okay. it takes to get there well safe travels for both of you guys and it's nice talking to you all right thanks for coming on shoot thanks, appreciate it take care